Welcome back, everybody, to In The Loop. What's up, everybody? My name is Michael Burpo, and this is the second half of a Gen Z consumer panel. So if you missed the first half, go back and listen to that right now. We'll be here when you get back. If you already listened to that one and you're here listening to the second half, good on you. Let's get into it. This is going to be all about how Gen Z is finding new brands and where you're finding new stores and places to shop. And this is going to be hosted by Alex Brown, VP of Operations at the Smithy Group, as well as Cody Giles, Director of Integrated Strategy. And they're going to be interviewing Emma and Jake at the Smithy Group, who are two interns. And it's a really interesting talk. And it's all about the highlighting the difference between Gen Z, Millennials, Gen X, baby boomers, what have you. And I think it really kind of touches on some of those points that kind of uh, get swept under the rug. This episode is brought to you by Punchmark, the jewelry industry's leading website provider. Join the community of nearly 500 other jewelry stores in choosing Punchmark's easy-to-run and e-commerce-enabled website platform by visiting punchmark.com for your free trial demo. And this episode is brought to you by The Smithy Group, a digital growth agency that helps leaders and businesses dream bigger and achieve multi-generational integrity. Through insights and intelligence, digital marketing, and advertising solutions, they help businesses expand their business and grow their revenue. The Smithy Group has helped hundreds of businesses surpass their goals and believe that whatever your business, whatever your story, they will make it matter to your audience. A very special thank you to The Edge Point of Sale System for sponsoring this week's episode, and you'll hear more about them later on the show. Thanks. Enjoy. Well, hello and welcome back to In The Loop. We're so excited that you're joining us for part two of our conversation about the Gen Z consumer. Now, if you missed part one, you can head back to the podcast episode. Uh, The one previous to this is part one of our Gen Z consumer. We actually have a couple of guests with us who I'll introduce, but you probably haven't heard my voice before either. You're used to Mike. I'm Alex Brown. I'm the VP of operations at the Smithy Group, and we're taking over the podcast today. Mike will be back, but today we've got some of the team from the Smithy Group to talk about the Gen Z consumer. So with me today, I've got Cody, who's our Director of Integrated Strategy. I've also got MA and Jake. Jake is our content coordinator and MA is a brand strategist on our team and they are our resident Gen Zers. So we're excited to chat to them a little bit more today. Uh, last week, we delved into some topics about what makes them tick when it comes to experiential marketing and also the values that they see within brands. And so we're excited to dig in a little bit further into that conversation today talking about some of the brands that they really respond to and how they discover new brands as well. As I said, if you've missed the last episode, make sure you go back and give it a listen because there's um, some great facts and figures that Cody has introduced us to as well that really sets us up to understand the Gen Z consumer and kind of even framing who the Gen Z consumer is because there's a little bit of a misconception that they're still teenagers. So actually they're not in the market buying stuff right now, but that is definitely false. We know that they're young adults. What was the age again up to the age of 25? Was it Cody? 24 to 25. So Gen Z is born between 1997 and 2012. Right. So we really know that they're in the market, they're uh, out in the workforce, they have money to spend and they want to spend it wisely. So we did talk about values and experiential marketing and just the experience that they have uh, either going into the stores or discovering brands. And today we're going to delve into a little bit more about that discovering brands aspect and how they actually connect with new brands. So why don't we just dive straight into it? We'll start there. Jake and MA, tell us, how are you discovering new brands? I feel like definitely the 
number one source of brand discovery for me is through people I know and influencers I follow on social media. I can say without a doubt that like everything within my workspace right here is all in product because of recommendations from people or from influencers. I have a stat to back that up. <laughs> I love this. I need a new sort of bell that it's like a quick breaking fact to back it up. So this is a fact from Cody. More Gen Z facts from Cody. So what Jake's saying here, I have a a fact here. 63% of surveyed Gen Z consumers said recommendations from friends are their most trusted source for learning about products and brands. So the instinct for me is that you guys are on social media so much, that's the number one place where you discover new brands. The data doesn't say that, and Jake doesn't say that either, that it's actually from word of mouth and recommendations from your friends and family, which is a really interesting point. What is it about knowing that your friends have tried this before that makes you want to buy it? Because there's, I would even say that there's some people who who want to be the first, you know, they want to be individualistic and they want to be the only ones and they want to be the first. But actually you're saying the opposite. You're like, hey, let other people test that out first and then I'm good. Then I know I can trust this product. Yeah, I think it comes with, uh, I feel like in Gen Z, we have such a connection to what we buy and, you know, I feel like everything that I purchase is an extension of who I am as a person. And I really want that to align. As before, you know, I would say that older generations only have that feeling with, you know, very big purchases like their home, their uh, vehicle, their, you know, those are things that are very personable to them. However, I feel that way about all of those things, but also my watch, you know, the shirt I wear, my laptop. I feel like all of those things I need to align with who I am as a person. So that way, you know, it it just makes me feel better about who I am and then how I'm shopping as well. Yeah. How do you pick the influences that you follow and trust? Honestly, just by recommendation and entertainment value, I would say that in the past, it was YouTube's uh, recommendation algorithm back when I was, you know, in middle school and high school. But now that influencer perspective has really come from TikTok. What about UMA? Where are you getting your recommendations from? I would say absolutely Jake is right. Friends, like I remember... A couple of weeks ago, I was sitting on the couch with some of my girlfriends talking about jewelry brands. And one of my friends was like, oh, I need like a new gold necklace. And, you know, and friends were just like throwing around all these different brands. And there's the pitch or like this brand because X, Y, Z. And there's always just like that rational pitch. And I think right now, like there are so many brands out there, like the market is stacked in like every department. And so if you're the first person, like as much as I do want to be an individualist and I don't want to be wearing the same thing everything everyone else is wearing, I also don't want to be, you know, the the test rabbit on a brand, like to see if they're legit, to see if they're sketch, to see if it's quality. And so the friend recommendations like really come in handy there. Like I, if my roommate bought it and she loves it and she's telling me about it, it's good, you know. So how does a brand get to that point where, you know, they're just starting out or they've launched a new product and you don't necessarily want to be the first to try that product? How do they get to the point where they can earn your trust and when you're discovering it? And where's that kind of um, buzz going to come from of being the first one to get this product and it's excellent and now you can tell all your friends about it? I think absolutely. It's totally that buildup. I discover lots of things on Pinterest just from finding a lot of pretty visual things. Like I know there's one brand that I love, a jewelry brand. It's called Danny Joe. And I discovered them on Pinterest. All their content, if you go on their Instagram page, it's super lifestyle-y. Like jewelry isn't even really the focal point. 
it's super colorful. It's all these like girls around my age, you know, running around on the beach or whatever, just hanging out with their girlfriends and images were so beautiful. And I was following them on Pinterest for a while and like looking at their stuff and looking at similar stuff. And then I found their Instagram page and I was like, this is so awesome. Like their bio, I think is literally welcome to the sisterhood. And so it's just like, yes, I want to be part of the sisterhood. Like, this is awesome. And so just following them gradually. And then when the time comes, when I want to buy jewelry, I'm like looking back, you know, what's a community that I really, really like and like appreciate where they're going and want to hop on board and they come to mind. So it is really a slower build relationship for you to um, go from A to B when it comes to finding, discovering, and then actually purchasing. Like you're building a relationship essentially with these brands. Right. Yeah. I feel like the purchase is never very quick. Like it's always like a, even if I see an ad for a product that I think I would really like, I just kind of, I put it in a note or I just save it somewhere. And I don't, I kind of take even like a month or two to compare and think about what my other options are. And if I comes to the end of the month and I really want to buy, I really need, you know, this piece of jewelry or these shoes, I'm going to, if I still haven't found a better option then I'm like, yep, that's the winner. That's you win. I'm going to buy you. And what I'm hearing from you both as well, that this isn't just big purchases. This could be just your next t-shirt that you buy, that you're actually still having all these considerations uh, going into your purchase. Um, And, uh, you know, Cody, I feel like you were talking a little bit about a stat regarding that previously, that, you know, thought is going into every single purchase, that consideration around the values, around the experience that you have purchasing this product is going into literally everything you purchase and you're happy to wait if it's if it's not the right thing right now you don't need it right now you're actually happy to wait for that there's so many decision pathways that are being taken leading up to that purchase and so many variables and so much more with digital than ever before and especially for gen z because you guys have mentioned i think jake you mentioned this you're your generation is so hopper aware of everything going on around you, right? This the entire world and global events and whatnot. But also as you're looking at brands, you're trying to understand how everything factors into that as well and the decisions they're making, how that aligns with you and different touch points and research that you do before you make a purchase, whether it seems big or small. Even if it's a small investment, you're still doing your research and going to a brand's page and going to their website and doing all this stuff that leads up to that purchase over time if it's the right fit. But you're doing more research no matter how much you're spending in some situations. I think on that, like, I don't like doing research, but I'm going to do it. And so like brands that give me the information really, really easily, if I don't have to look for the numbers and stuff, that's going to be like really, really appealing to me. Like I know there was this one hair brand pros that I, I kept seeing all, it's like the shampoo and conditioner custom brand. And I kept seeing all these ads for it on the subway. And I was like, oh, cool, whatever. And then I opened Instagram and I got ads from them too. And the, but the Instagram was like a video with the science of like how it works. And I just like watched it. It was there, it was right in front of my eyes. And I didn't have to do any research. It was this concrete, rational reason why I should buy it. And like, I was very convinced at that point. Education, that's a good piece there. I feel like another thing too that I just want to mention is that once I have that trust aspect, it is very easy for me to engage with that brand afterwards. For example, just thinking right now, I have a Logitech mouse and it was pretty expensive. I got the recommendation from a YouTube video that from an influencer that I really love. And, you know, I it took me, I would say two months in total to decide to finally hit the button and buy it. But 
you know, I just needed a webcam last week and I knew Logitech was a great brand and I purchased it without any second thoughts within 10 minutes. That's really interesting. Mm. That brand loyalty is like really solid once you're in, you're in, uh, as long as the, the proof is in the pudding and the trust is there, even through the use of the product. I'm really interested in that because there's such a perception that with the, the smartphones and everything in your hand and accessible and available, you know, same day delivery, things like that, that we all just want everything really, really quickly, but actually we're willing to take our time and make sure it's the right purchase and the right decision rather than just getting everything at the at the touch of a button immediately. So I think that's a really good point for retailers and brands and even us in marketing to recognize that it's not just about, uh, hey, click this button now, purchase now, purchase now, purchase now, but it's actually more about the relationship building, as you both have pointed out, and that trust and that connection to make sure that, you know, neither of you might be in the market for, say, an engagement ring right now, but if you find a jeweler that you absolutely love now and even start purchasing from those small pieces that, you know, a couple of years down the track, you might go, hey, I know exactly where I'm getting my engagement ring from. It's going to be these guys because I know them. I have built a a trust with them. I have built a connection with them. And that's the brand that I want to work with for a bigger purchase like that. So as we're talking about jewelry, I'm really excited to hear a little bit more about the jewelry brands that you guys are particularly leaning towards right now. But before we head into that topic, we're going to hear a quick word from our sponsor. Support for this week's episode comes from The Edge. The Edge is the jewelry industry's leading point of sale system, though you've probably already heard about how amazing they are. They're in the business to help independent jewelers succeed in an ever-evolving retail environment where technology plays a major role. Their promise to their clients is to never let them get caught in technological or functional time warp. The Edge develops their software on state-of-the-art technology and adds features and functionality in the best interest of their users. In the words of Edge founder Dick Abbott, our biggest reward is the success of our store owners. To learn more about the Edge Point of Sale system and all the ways that can accelerate your business approach into an omni-channel solution, visit theedgeforjewelers.com. Thanks, back to the show. Welcome back. Uh, we are talking Gen Z consumers and we're here with Jake and MA hearing all about how they feel as Gen Z consumers and what really connects them to a brand. I love what you guys were just saying around the trust and the connection that you build with specific brands. And we were speaking to how that might be like a lifelong relationship if it's right with your first entry purchase. So I want to talk right now specifically about jewelry brands that you are connected with and even what your first purchase with them has been or might be, because we were even talking just before about the bigger purchases in life that might come down the road that you might not be quite ready for now, whether that's an engagement ring or, you know, a a big diamond uh, self-purchase, whatever that looks like, but you might not be ready for those big purchases right now. But what brands are you looking to right now for your, you know, your fine jewelry, the fun jewelry that you're wearing every day that you're going to have that special connection to as a brand? I think for me, the way I view jewelry is that it's, and it's different than just like clothes or other fashion items you would wear because it really is a staple. Like if you invest in a really good, nice, like ring or bracelet or necklace, you're going to 
you know, you're going to be wearing it a lot of days, like most days. And so it's a great way to express your individuality, um, in like an accent way or a unique way besides just like your clothes. And so jewelry, I think is particularly like sentimental and special. And so like the brand of it matters even more, I would say than clothes and things like that. Um, and I know recently I just actually like last week bought, um, something from Ana Luisa. I bought these earrings and I had found them. I was actually an Instagram ad. Um, I saw these earrings and I was like, whoa, those are so uniquely in May and so beautiful, but they were like more expensive than I would ever normally spend on earrings. And so I was like, okay, that's those beautiful. Maybe I'll like, I'll, I'll save that to my notes and I'll look around and see if I can find something that looks like that. And like in the upcoming months, cause that is totally my style. And I've never seen anything like it. And so saved it away, whatever. Um, and then it, it kept popping up like different Instagram ads. And I was like, there really is nothing like it. And then I remember like looking on Amazon for like a cheaper version. And then at the end of the day, I was just like, no, like I really, I want to like, there's nothing like those exact earrings and like that exact brand and the way they showed it. And so I remember I went back on, I was just looking at the link that I had saved to my notes. And the thing that got me, there was three little bullet points right under the product on their website. And it was about how they were sustainable. And then it was about there were how there was a year long warranty, which tells me that they really trust the quality of it. And that was like, that was it. I was like, yeah, I'm going to get these. And I'm, I'm proud of myself for investing in this. And I've been thinking about it for a long period of time. So I, I feel like this is a wise buy. What is that brand again? Um, it's Ana Luisa. And then after I purchased, I followed them on Instagram because I felt like I just gave them a lot of money and I belong to them now. Like they're, you know, they're fam. Um, so, yeah. It's going back to that community that you now feel a part of. Like you feel connected to that brand because you have specifically invested in them and supported them in a way um, and, and resonate with their values. What about you, Jake? What's a, what's a jewelry brand that you're particularly liking at the moment? Um, I usually choose um, form over fashion when it comes to, you know, accessories and stuff. But one story I will share is I recently purchased a gift for one of my friends and she is complete woman in STEM, you know, physics, chemistry, biology, crazy smart and everything. And so I was looking around for a gift to get her and I found a company in California named Molecular Motifs and they make handmade jewelry into, you know, scientific, meaningful, beautiful things. And so I purchased a silver necklace for her that had what's called the golden ratio in it. It almost looks like a seashell, but it was so beautiful. And, you know, on their website, they had their mission statement and they had everything the company was about, uh, the safety of their jewelry, the sustainability of their jewelry. I followed them on social media. And then of course they had Apple Pay. So it was just so easy to like click, done, it's showing up at my house a week later. Literally all the things have lined up for you there. Yeah, absolutely. And how did you discover them? Um, I discovered them by looking on Etsy. Yeah, Etsy's a little underrated there too, isn't it? That, Etsy's uh, a good there's still some that. great stuff on there and a, a real way for brands to grow. Isn't it interesting, I mean, Jake, from your standpoint, do you see amongst your friends and your peers that what does jewelry look like for guys that's outside of you know, a watch. In a different episode, Mike and I talk a bit about the lack of really men's jewelry in the industry at entry-level prices that would get me into a jewelry store before I would buy an engagement ring or wedding band or whatnot. You have other brands like John Hardy and David Yerman. Those are a bit more expensive pieces. So for someone that's 
me as a millennial, even you as a Gen Z, if it's not a luxury watch, what other pieces can we get in the door to buy? It seems there's like a lack in the area. So for you, what are your friends? Do your friends wear a lot of jewelry? What does that look like? I, I feel like the deterrent towards jewelry for me as a male is that the male center jewelry is so hyper masculine. It's so, it, it's meant to, you know, show be manly. And I I feel like as Gen Z, it's one of those things where we don't, you know, care as much of the image we're showing off to other people, but how it makes us feel as a person. So I feel like just having that personality within men's jewelry would make me just so much more inclined to purchase it. Oh man, that's such a good point. It's, It's about how it makes you feel as opposed to what you're putting out to the rest of the world. I think that's so important. And even the way, even going back to the experiential marketing and how personalized and individual it is to feel a connection uh, to that brand, it, it is, it, whether it's the product or the brand itself, it is about how you feel within that uh, space and community and with that brand and how you relate to it. Then it is about, uh, hey, look at me, I'm wearing Gucci, you know? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, throughout these conversations, I I resonate personally, even though I'm an old millennial, I really resonate a lot with what you are saying. So for me, I'm the same. I'll do a lot of research. I will connect with brands that hold similar values to what I have. I will, uh, you know, if a brand gets me from the start, I'm in, like I'm loyal to that brand. I will always go and look uh, at their products first. So what I think that we need to realize as marketers, retailers, brands, businesses is, you know, Gen Z really do have an influence within the market. And this goes back to some of your figures too, Cody, that they have such an influence that brands are now speaking to that influence so much that it's now influenced the way that I shop as a millennial. So it's influencing other generations because you've been able to influence brands in the way that they market things. So the more that we head into this direction, the more that brands head into this direction, basically you have to get on board. Otherwise you you have to show your values. You have to speak to who you are as a person. You have to be individualized. You have to connect with your consumer and your audience in, in order to really engage them in your product. Uh, that's what I'm hearing overall. Well, uh, Jake, M.A., thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us today. It was great to get your insight because it is, I mean, we see the facts, we see the figures, we see the stats that, you know, we have in in all these different reports, but that's just it. They're just uh, stats and numbers. But to actually speak to people who go, no, this is the way that I'm shopping and you are true Gen Zers who are in the market, you're in the workforce, you're spending your your hard-earned dollars. So thank you for giving us some insights into that today. Um, We just really appreciate your time. Cody, thank you for coming along for the ride with me and uh, bringing uh, all your insight and uh, research into that as well, because that's really important to back this up and to really understand the mindset of the Gen Zer as well. Thank you to the listeners. Thank you for being here today. Make sure you check out part one as well. Uh, As we mentioned at the top, um, we delved into a couple of other topics there. And uh, Mike will be back soon. So I hope you didn't miss him too much. I hope I was able to charm you all with my brilliant accent and I'm sure I'll be back (laughs) at some point. But thank you so much for listening to us. You can make sure that you also follow us at The Smithy Group, at The Smithy Group on Instagram and also over at Punchmark. And you can keep up to date um, with all the latest episodes coming out for In The Loop podcast. But thanks so much for your time today. Uh, We hope to see you soon. Hey, thanks for listening. Leave us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts and remember to subscribe. It really helps us grow. Thank you so much. See you next week.